approaches. Blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, they can't hold a flame against you, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, got the game, it ain't no issue, blowing the whistle, I had enough with you, the championship, it is gone, ain't listen to you, I can't give it to you, cause you don't know what I've been on, this is the coaches, podcast, ripping up everything, off that, what is going on everybody welcome into the fantasy coaches podcast i am your host as always i'm back at the hosting chair uh coach steve here with me guys and it's just me today in the coaching side of things here coach jibs is on his honeymoon in vegas right now shout out to coach jibs on a great wedding weekend and coach john finally came back from italy and he should be back with us next week guys so uh, but have no fear. We got to keep the show going. And we have a fantastic guest on today. Mr. Troy, what is going on, brother? Nothing much, man. I'm excited to, you know, be chopping up with you. We got a lot to talk about, a lot of things. You know, redraft season is coming very soon, right? Dynasty season has been fun, but redraft's coming soon. It's just so much to talk about. Obviously, there's so much aftermath from the draft. So I'm really excited to dive in and talk about some of it. Absolutely. And like I said, we're going to be talking about kind of the veteran impact of the NFL draft is probably one of our last mostly rookie talk here. We're not really not really talking about the rookies, but last mostly about the NFL draft talk at this point here. We're going to start like Troy said in general, we're going to start getting the redraft because that that season is only like a short three months away at this point now. So uh, we're going to start getting to that. But this is going to be our last NFL talk draft. We'll, We'll step back into that redraft stuff and start getting ready for the season. But like I said, we're talking veteran impact from the NFL draft, basically veterans who were helped and hurt based on, you know, rookies going there or not going there, basically. So before we get to the main topic, we do have a thing, a couple of things on the news. Again, it's not really that big, but uh, the the, Ra- the Ra- Ravens got the Raiders traded Braylon Edwards to the Falcons. I think we missed that last week. So I wanted to throw that out there if you happen not to have seen that. Uh, Philip Lindsay signed with the Colts, as well as did Nick Foles signed a two-year deal with the Colts. Uh, Tariq Cohen definitely hate to see this, but he suffered a torn Achilles just doing a pre-work, just doing a workout on uh, Instagram Live, and I saw it. It sucked. Um, I don't know if you want to mention anything in here, Troy. No, I mean that the Tariq Cohen thing, man, is gut wrenching, and he just came out with an article that he did himself, kind of like talking to his past self. So like. After reading that and then this injury happened, like, God, uh, you, you feel for me? He's just been injured for so long. You don't know if this is the end of his career. We have no idea what's to come of it. But, man, wishing nothing but the best for him. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, again, this is more minor news, unfortunately, for Tariq Cohen. Uh, Rashad Penny is resting a hamstring already. I didn't throw that out there. So, uh, you Kenneth Walker owners, just so you know, he's already uh, starting the hamstring life. So, but yeah, that's it really today, guys. I mean, the news is, is, is minimal at this point. So we're going to get into that main topic. And it's going to we're going to start with the veterans who are helped by the NFL draft. And the way we're going to do it, Troy, we're going to go back and forth. Sure. I'll let you go first because you are the guest. And then we'll kind of go from there and we'll kind of discuss and maybe just kind of mention, you know, if you would to take them in the redraft leagues coming up, where would you maybe take them if you would, were or not? Oh, sure. So I'll start with my first guy. Who was helped by the draft? James Conner. James Conner. He is somebody who's found new life in Arizona, right? When he first got signed to Arizona, nobody wanted him because he's everyone says he's injury prone. And then last year, he ended the season, I believe, like top five. And he just 
it was mainly on the back of TDs, but he got those opportunities, right? He looked good as a rusher. For the most part, he stayed healthy the majority of the season. That's what we were looking for, right? And again, he's – and obviously last year there's Chase Edmonds that was there, you know, that stole a little bit of work and some of the passing. But now, after the draft, they didn't sign anyone of note. They took Keontae Ingram, I believe, in the sixth round. So they didn't spend any significant draft capital on a running back, which means – and they also they extend. They gave him a new contract. They extend for I think three years or something like that. So James Conner now he has the backfield to himself, right? He's going to get those goal line opportunities. He's going to get majority of the rushing opportunities, and it's a high powered offense, you know. And he's good. So that's what we want in fantasy football, right? You want the opportunities. You want the touchdown opportunities. So James Conner, I'm going to be taking him. I, I'd take him as early as the second round. I would say back in the second round is where I would love to get him because I don't see how he can, if he stays healthy, how he isn't an RB1. I, I, I agree with you, honestly. I, I was scared for that those James Conner owners because maybe they were going to take somebody early, but clearly they did not address that position that early, which is great to hear for James Conner. As long as he can stay healthy, I mean, the man was a beast last year without Chase Edmonds on the field. Now... I think he's kind of reminds me of a similar player right now in Leonard Fournette to some extent. They're both veteran players, both have injury history, but both on good offenses. I mean, you might be much higher on James Connors if you're taking him, you know, maybe late round two, but who would you have higher right now, Leonard Fournette or James Conner? Uh, see, that's tough. I would slightly go James Conner just because I don't know about Rashad White's involvement because they took Rashad White in the third round. I believe it was the third round the Bucks took him, and he's known for being a really good pass catcher, and he could be the RB of the future for the Bucks. I'm not sure, but I feel like he's good enough where he could earn some opportunities. James, but the thing about it, though, is that, you know what? Actually, I'm going to change my answer. I'm going to go, go Leonard Fournette. I'm actually talking to myself because – Last year, one of the also things, Leonard Fournette saw a lot of targets. I believe that James Conner is going to see some targets, but not as many as Leonard Fournette, even with Rashad White there. So I changed my answer. I'm going to go Lenny. I love it. I love it. I think, I, think, I think that's the right choice overall because I think Leonard Fournette's injury history is, is not impactful, as I think as James Conner has shown me over the last three or four seasons they've been on, on the field. So I think with that, and I think – Obviously, we know that Tom Brady is always going to score points. We saw the Fal- the Cardinals at times last year kind of miss opportunities to score more often than not. So, And if people are saying, well, you know, you're taking these guys early, late round two, early round three. I mean, we're talking to redraft a little bit here, guys. So just, uh, just exactly. stay with us on that. And, and, and I feel like, honestly, as the season comes up, we're going to see ADP shift from, you know, now we're in May. But when it's actually redraft season, people are going to be looking at, like, you know, there's obviously everyone knows the top RBs, but – I believe James Conner, Leonard Fournette, they should be going. Look, they could be going maybe third round, but I believe they the highest I would draft them is the back of the second, just because of their opportunities that they're going to see. And again, maybe if you don't get like the, you know, Jonathan Taylors, these are the other guys that you should be looking for that could finish as RB1. So right, definitely, definitely. I definitely agree with you on that. So uh, I'll go to my first guy, and I think I'm gonna stay in Arizona with you on, on James Conner here. And I'm I'm gonna go Kyler Murray. Uh, I think Kyler Murray was helped in this draft, whether we're not worried about his contract situation right now because that doesn't affect the NFL draft. But overall, I mean, they wound there and got, they traded for Hollywood Brown, someone who he used to work with back at Oklahoma, back in college, Trey McBride, 
and Ingram. I mean, we know we talked about Ingram not being as relevant, but in a general sense, they're adding players on the offensive side of the ball. God forbid James Conner were to go down. They have more people back there in depth, which is, I think, very important for a guy like Kyler Murray. But, I mean, yeah, losing Hopkins hurts. But, again, we're, we're talking strictly about the NFL draft here, and you're getting a guy in Hollywood Brown who I think is slightly underrated, and we might talk about him later. Uh, you get a guy who has chemistry with already. You get a guy who can fill that uh, Christian Kirk role or maybe even a different role, depending on how they want to use him in this offense here. And then, you know, you get a guy like Trey McBride who I think, you know, he wasn't a big touchdown guy, but he was somebody in between those 20s who could catch a lot of balls in open space and do something with the balls in his hand here. Uh, he still needs to work on his pass blocking, but he can pass block, which is really good. And especially if Max Williams isn't ready by the start of the season, McBride could end up stepping in there and helping out in pass protection pretty early. And obviously Ingram has his own traits in the general sense where he's kind of was pretty decent in a lot of different things. He had some pass catching ability to him, which could be, could be good for a guy like Murray or even his pass blocking. So overall, I think they surrounded Kyler Murray. Hopefully that's enough for him to be happy outside of his contract to want to actually sign it. But uh, they actually gave him a, they gave him enough weapons to continue to thrive in fantasy. Uh, Troy, you know, going off my guy here, you know, where are you taking Kyle Murray right now in coming redraft seasons? I would say in terms, I'll go more so in terms of like QBs, like which like QB range. I'll right. say I'll go. I'd say I'd take him around like QB five. I feel like he's he could be top five, right? Because we've seen Kyler Murray when he's healthy. And the problem with Kyler Murray the past couple of seasons is that he's pretty much there's a stretch of time where he's the QB one overall, not, you know, but the problem is that he's been getting injured and then, you know, he's been fighting through the injuries and then he falls off. But at the end of the day, he's a locked in QB one, but I feel like his ceiling is just so high, right? We just need to see him stay on the field and stay healthy. But I would say I would take him probably QB five. Only people I would take over him, you know, I feel like him and Lamar are very similar to me in terms of like the positions I would take them. Uh, I might take Herbert over him. I might, you know, Mahomes, I'm going to take over him. I'll take Josh Allen. But in terms of anyone else, like, it's hard to make an argument, you know. I know people like Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow doesn't have, like, that rushing floor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So give me Kyler or Lamar, like, in that range. But, yeah, I would say QB5, I think, is where I would be comfortable taking him. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that is a, is a solid range like for a guy like Kyler Murray overall. I think he has that upside to be there. Um, but don't be surprised if he falls in drafts just because of the contract talks, because obviously people, I don't know, we don't know when that's going to go into effect with that contract. If they're going to settle that before the season or if they're going to come some kind of agreement until the, after the season again, but he could end up falling in drafts. And if he does, I mean, I think he might end up being a steal because he has a lot of new weapons now that I think he can work with and be very productive in fantasy. So, but uh, Troy, back to you, my friend for you. Number two, who's that? Zach Wilson. Right. So as a as a Dolphins fan, I'm not I shouldn't be saying nice things about the Jets. But um, but no, seriously, Zach Wilson, obviously, they added Garrett Wilson to the offense. And so we have he has Garrett Wilson. He has Elijah Moore. Corey Davis, hopefully he's healthy, but he's going to be a contributor. And during the offseason, they got him some tight ends and Conklin and CJ Uzama. So in terms of the draft, they also got him Brees Hall in the draft. So it's like. They are they are setting him up for success, right? They the Jets are doing everything they can for him to succeed. Like last year, he did not look good. He looked awful, right? In a lot of stretches of times, he looked 
pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I believe that they are doing, and also they address their offensive line this offseason as well. So Zach Wilson isn't going to have any excuses in terms of we just need to see progress, right? Or significant progress, right? He's the number two overall pick. I think the Jets did a good job in surrounding him with talent. So now it's up to Zach Wilson, but they did everything they can in terms of helping him and getting him weapons. So I I feel like he's somebody that you can – I don't see him being drafted in a lot of standard like redraft leagues in terms of like if you have one QB, but he's somebody that could be like a waiver wire fill-in or a surprise. We'll see. But again, I feel like he has the ability to take that next step, but he was – Definitely a big beneficiary of the draft. No, definitely. I, and, I, and I love you made that pick. Obviously, I'm like a you know fanboy, Zach Wilson fan, unfortunately, as a Dolphins <laughs> fan as well. And, you know, he was the only guy, I think, when I asked you for your players that I was like, all right, let's see if we match. And this was the one guy here for sure. And last year, if I, I went back and did a look, all his games, he only played two games with his top three wide receivers all season long. I mean, just dealt with injuries all year. And now you have your core coming back, especially with Garrett Wilson being there, just an added weapon and obviously a, an improved run game for sure. I mean, the sky is the limit for him. Everyone's talking about like Tua, you know, Tua, Tua, Tua has this opportunity for, for a big breakout season, which obviously we both hope he does, but Zach Wilson has been given the weapons to succeed now, which most Jets owners and fans will probably know that hasn't happened in probably over a decade to really give them, young talented players so it will be interesting to see if zach wilson can uh, live up to hopefully this minimal hype that i'm hopefully will turn into a bigger hype before the season absolutely all right so over to my second player here uh i went with a wide receiver here in michael Pittman jr and I, I like one thing i did like about it is that they didn't invest in a wide receiver that would take away from michael Pittman's upside as a wide receiver one but they also somehow gave him a weapon or a partner on that core that can, I think, help him do what he does best over the middle of the field. And and that's Alec Pierce, who they drafted in the second round. A little bit of a high capital. I mean, but they didn't go after a player that I think can take away from the middle field. Pierce is a guy who has that vertical speed and kind of, I think, stretch the defense there a lot, which will help open the hole for Michael Pittman in the middle of the field, which he worked his best last year. And obviously the boot of Matt Ryan being there definitely helped, but in the draft overall, they didn't really go out and got, a, got went and got a lot of wide receivers, which I thought they might because that was the one area in the offense they're lacking pretty badly, honestly, uh, outside of maybe tight end. But Michael Pittman, I think, is in line for probably the wide receiver one number of targets and probably 120 plus possibly. And I don't think they did anything to take that away from him. And I think that just helped him basically secure a spot, which I think he's still going pretty low in a lot of drafts. I think... Right now, basically what I think I saw in my last draft, I think round five or six is where he's going, and I'd be pretty happy as my wide receiver too this year. I feel like people are not seeing him as a wide receiver too, but I think by the end of the season, people will be seeing him as that and possibly better. No, I mean, I I, I definitely like that choice. I wasn't expecting it because they did spend the second draft round, second round capital on Alec Pierce, but you're right in terms of, he doesn't take that much away from Pittman. Pittman is still going to be the wide receiver one. You already mentioned the upgrading quarterback in Matt Ryan. So, and we know that Matt Ryan, he likes to, for the most part, you know, hyper target, you know, his main guys, right? So exactly. Pittman's going to be one of those, his main guy. So I'm excited to see how that goes. And 
again, he's a value, right? So if, let's say you go running back heavy in your draft, or maybe you go early tight end. Pittman, somebody that you can target in the middle rounds that, again, he, I don't know if he's going to, he's not, maybe he has, like, I'd say high, most likely where I would rank him in terms of his ceiling is high end wide receiver two. I see probably a mid wide receiver two might be fair, but we, we don't know. Again, it really just depends on his chemistry with Matt Ryan, how the offense looks with Matt Ryan. I'm excited because it's going to be a very run heavy offense too. So that's something right. you need to consider, but I am excited about Pittman. I do like that call. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, the only the way I see it is that like outside of I mean, Paris Campbell, I mean, they don't really <laughs> have any wide receivers that, ah, that really <laughs> scare any other defenses. I mean, unless they bring in Julio, which I really, now I hope they don't. Oh, um, that would make it complicated. <laughs> yeah, it would make it a little more complicated, but there's no one else there that really will impact him. And I think Pierce, if anything, will just kind of help have some kind of other talent on that offense. So. I'm hoping for the best for Michael Pittman. So, but Troy, over to you, my friend. Who's your third and final helped guy? I'll say Gabriel Davis, right? And then there's so much back and forth on Twitter and social media. Like, hey, are you a Gabe Davis truther or are you a hater? I've always, I've been a truther for a while, UCF yeah. alum. I've watched <laughs> him for quite some time. But I will say that he's a winner because they didn't spend significant draft capital on a wide receiver. They did spend the fifth on Khalil Shakir. And, you know, again, he's a sleeper and some people are excited about him. But again, fifth round draft capital is not saying much. Right. And I know they brought in Jameson Crowder over the offseason, but he's going to be playing that slot role. Gabe Davis, the only thing I'm concerned about is, you know, and it's a fair criticism. He has never had a high target share in the offense. He did have that crazy playoff game, but I don't see Gabe Davis as ever being a high volume guy. And obviously he's not the wide receiver one. That's all Stephon Diggs, but he still should be a red zone threat. He still should be a big play wide receiver. And he has a chance to be that wide receiver too in the offense, right? Because again, his competition is Jameson Crowder and a fifth round rookie. So he, and then the only thing I'm worried about maybe touchdown wise is Dawson Knox. He scored a lot of touchdowns last year. So he might also steal some of those, but he should have that wide receiver two position on lock with an offense ran by Josh Allen. So I, I believe that Gabe Davis is a big winner and I don't think he's going, you know, people I feel like can disagree on his draft. I think he's going middle rounds or so. And I feel like his price is fair for the potential upside that we might see. Again, we're not going to see a 20% target share. We don't necessarily need to, right. As long right. as he's efficient with the targets that he gets and he's going to make big plays. So I think Gabe Davis is definitely a winner here. I def- I love that pick there. Ooh. Coach John joined the crew. What's going on, Coach John? What's up, John? But, yeah, I mean, I, I love that picture because, you know, I think what Buffalo has been doing over the last few years is kind of, you know, not having to rely on young players as early and often. And we saw that with last year with Gabe Davis, who we all thought, I mean, at least I did, and thought that he was in for a big breakout year or two season. And, but they decided to go with Sanders and Cole Beasley early on. Now mm-hmm. these guys are getting to the point where they're a little bit too old now, and now they have to rely on Gabriel Davis. Now they brought in Jameson Crowder, who again he's kind of past his prime age as well, and then they drafted a young rookie in the fifth round in Khaled Shakir. So at this point, it's just kind of next man up now. Now that those two older guys are gone. Gabriel Davis is in line now to make that next move. They didn't spend big on a wide receiver early. Like if they went and got. Sky Moore in round two, I'd be a little concerned that. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I'd be concerned. They didn't spend the high draft capital on a, on a 
wide receiver. Even a guy like guy like James Cook, who's a pass catching back, I'm still not that concerned, even with Gabriel Davis's value because of overall in general sense. But I think Gabriel Davis could be in a prime year, and, and the draft hopefully spoke to that to a lot of people. So we'll see if if Gabe Davis is in for that third year breakout. So. All right, so over to my last uh, helped player here. And I said I, I'm sticking with the Arizona Cardinals this time around today. And I went with Hollywood Brown. You know, it didn't his overall, he didn't get affected by anyone being drafted towards him, but he got traded during the draft for a first-round pick, basically. And the Cardinals clearly believed in him. And I think Kyler Murray wanted a guy like Hollywood Brown to come there. And I think people have, like, very, you know, like, Big thoughts on who Hollywood Brown is. He's kind of a deep threat guy only. But I feel like this past year, he kind of did a little bit more. He wasn't just the guy who was just going deep. You know, he caught a lot more balls this year. He didn't have a high yards per reception uh, as he had in the prior two seasons here. It's actually come down a lot over the last few years. And he's going to a situation I think got better. Yeah, there might be more passing volume targets like DeAndre Hopkins and I guess the shell of A.J. Green and obviously Rondell Moore, who some people like. But you know, Lamar Jackson, and I, I have the numbers here. I mean, his best throwing season was 401. Kyler Murray, had he not got hurt last year, would have been 500 every single season in attempts. You know, I mean, for a guy like Lamar Jackson, he's got one season over 3,000 yards. Murray's thrown for over 3,200 yards in each and every season and has continued to improve his accuracy after three years now. And I think that's just is a prime example that I think Hollywood Brown has been kind of like just locked in as a guy who was in a situation where it was just very run heavy and didn't throw the ball a ton. Now they're in a situation where they're going to be passing the ball a lot. We know that James Conner's there and they're going to run the ball well, but this team loves to throw the ball. And I think Hollywood Brown is, is, is in for a big season that people, I think he's probably going in that five to seven range. He might get bumped up if, you know, Hopkins is uh, suspension actually, takes the whole six games but um early on in the season he might be in for pretty he might be one of those wide receivers early on in the season that ends up as a top 15 guy and he might come down a little bit with hopkins coming there but i wouldn't be surprised if he's one of those top 15 guys early on uh, as we head into 2022 yeah i mean just just to add to that i think he's a huge winner and also i believe the cardinals are just more creative offensively when it comes to the passing game right we know that the ravens are extremely run heavy last year there was a little bit more balanced but in terms of just creative play calling in terms of passing i like you know carol sorry cardinals are more air raid so we like to see that and you know hollywood was asking for a trade right because he you know again he was used more creatively i guess last year but i believe the cardinals with that with kyler murray as his quarterback I think just brings something different and I think he's going to be excited about it. I think he's, again, obviously there's more, I guess, I hate the term mouths to feed, but I guess there's more of that in Arizona, but I think that Hollywood is going to thrive in that offense and I can't wait to see him ball out next year. Definitely. Definitely. I'm, I'm thrilled to see this guy go. So, all right. So over to the next side here, the, the negatives now veterans who were hurt by the NFL draft, even though I wrote NFL, but uh, NFL draft guys. So Troy, you get to go first on this one. Of course, my friend, who's your first heart player. We're going to go back to Buffalo. It's Devin Singletary, right? And it's for a couple of reasons, not to just draft, but the last couple drafts, right? So when he was drafted a few years ago, last the year, you know, last year it was Zach Moss who's drafted in the third round, right? And it's like, that's right. high enough draft capital where if you found your guy, you wouldn't spend that, you know, draft capital on a running back, but the Bills thought they did. 
And then, you know, that was weird, like, in terms of the dynamic. And also, Zach Moss was hurt a lot last year. And then and then they decide that, okay, this year, they're going to spend a second-round draft capital on a guy like James Cook. Now, you, let's go back to last year, towards the end of last year. Devin Singletary was actually looking pretty good. He was looking like an RB1. Like, he was looking like the running back that we've been hoping for. His rookie year, he actually had flashes of looking really good. And then towards the back half of last year, he looked good, but his sophomore year didn't look that great. But now, and the thing about Devin Singletary is that he's not that great of a pass catcher, but now it's even more clear that he's not going to get really that many passing opportunities now that they got James Cook. Like they clearly made a statement by investing that draft capital in James Cook. Like he's clearly going to be the passing downs back. I don't see him being like, you know, he's not, they're going to use him as a workhorse, but they don't necessarily need to. Devin Singletary is still going to be involved, and we're hoping that he gets those goal line opportunities. We don't know how Josh Allen's roles, if it's going to change at all. I believe from, I know there's been some reports, like I don't know if he's going to rush as much or put his body on the line as much, but I still see Josh Allen maybe stealing some of the goal line work. So if he, Josh Allen's stealing some of the goal line work and James Cook's taking all the passing, then what leaves Devin Singletary, right? First, second down, you know, it's just like, you know, it it limits his upside, right? This addition. Right. So I that's one of the reasons why I'm a little bit worried about Devin Singletary. Yeah, I know. Going into his sophomore year, I was the biggest Devin Singletary believer in the world there, and then he let me down. And I loved to see him at the end of the season last year, and I was like, this isn't lasting, guys. He's like, it's just not. I, I loved it, but – the Bills are going to do something here, and, and they did, James 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 Cook, honestly. I mean, and I think at this point, Devin Singletary is a, a, at best an RB3. I thought he had that potential for an RB2 potential, but without that PPR side of things, I mean, unless he scores a bunch of touchdowns this year, I mean, you're probably looking at like seven, 800 yards maybe, and, you know, four or five touchdowns and very, probably under 20 targets if James Cook is on the field a lot. And if that's if James Cook's on the field a lot this year. So, yeah. And I think he sh- probably should be if, if, if he can prove it in camp. So, love that pick there, Troy. All right. So, over to my first one here. I went with a running back as well. And I went with Antonio Gibson. And it was, it's funny because I, I was just in a Facebook chat earlier today and someone, was just railing off on low ball Antonio Gibson deals right now. And I was like, don't take a low ball deal. But I I get why people are down on Antonio Gibson. And they didn't agree with me, of course. And that's just the way things work. But the way I see it is that Antonio Gibson's ultra talented, guys. I think he's a fantastic running back. Honestly, I really do believe he is. And when he's on the field there and he produces great. But we've kind of seen it already in both years now to some extent. He actually played, I think, pretty much all the games this year. But he's someone who looks like he can be very injury prone or get banged up pretty easy and often. And they they brought back J.D. McKissick already. That was a that was a big hit because we thought he could see that passing volume take a big uptake. And J.D. McKissick is going to be on the field, obviously, in those passing down situations. And he was a lot on just you know, situational situations like two minute drills and things like that way too often um, and kind of left Gibson on the bench. And I was like, well, the one valuable thing about Gibson is that he scored 17 touchdowns over the last two years. Now this man is getting that red zone goal line work a lot more than not. And then you go out in the third round and this was a deep RB class that they could have probably got somebody in round five or six and not have to spend third round capital on another running back that they didn't need to. 
and Brian Robinson, who, again, he has his own mistakes there and negatives on him. I mean, but the man's a 225, 6'4 running back. Big boy. (laughs) He's a big boy, exactly. And if you don't, how else would you use him? Hmm. Goal line and short yardage situations. (laughs) That's what you would use a big running back like that. So so there's definitely concerns on that. No, I don't know. Again, we don't know how much involvement he's going to be in. People were doubting because he played in backup roles throughout his Alabama career. He's played with a lot of good running backs, Brian Robinson, fortunately. But Antonio Gibson was a third-round pick as well. So it's not like there's heavy draft capital invested in him or something like that. His contract's coming to an end. So they might work in Brian Robinson a lot this year. And those situations, while I think Gibson might be more of that 20 between the 20s, I'm, I'm slightly concerned. I'm not giving up. Obviously, I think he's still he's a pretty decent RB2, I think, still in fantasy. I think he should end up with a majority of the carries no matter what. Isn't like he's not gonna see like 200 carries still at least. But the touchdown upside might not be there as great it was a month ago. So for me, that's why I kind of have him as a as a guy who got hurt in this draft. I mean, I I agree with everything you said. Like, and going into like redraft season, I wouldn't feel comfortable having Antonio Gibson as my RB one. I would feel comfortable having him as my RB two. And again, the team showed, like Ron Rivera showed, like, hey, like maybe they're going to use him as a one-two punch. But yeah, you don't draft Ryan Robinson in the third round if you don't intend to use him. Right? He clearly has a specific skill set is for be the big boy, use him in short yardage, use him on the goal line, right? Like that's why you draft a guy like that in the third round, right. which obviously is going to hurt Antonio Gibson's touchdown upside, right? That means he's not always going to get those opportunities that we're looking for. And like you said, they have J.D. McKissick, who was used on a lot on third down. And he's a good pass pro. He's, he's better in pass pro than Antonio Gibson is. And that's one of the reasons why it's like, hey, if you can't pass pro, then you're not going to get on the field. And that's sometimes heard Antonio Gibson. So it's like, uh, I think he's going to be a value. I think he's going to fall in drafts because people get more worried about it, but it's, it's a legitimate concern, but we'll see. I, I still like him. I'm not trying to panic sell, but it's something to keep in mind going into the season. Yeah, no, it's definitely not a panic sell. You definitely want to still get that value because we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe Brian Robinson can't get things going at training camp. Right. I mean, you never know. And maybe 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 uh, J.D. McKissick doesn't last through training camp. Maybe they see Gibson improve in that, that area there where they're like, okay, we're comfortable cutting ties. I know they paid him a little bit of money, but NFL teams do NFL things. So, yeah. But, yeah, for now, he's definitely a hurt. So, But, Troy, over to you, my friend, for your number two guy. <sighs> it pains me to say this, but I'm Ross St. Brown. Mm. And I'm a, I'm a big truther in I'm Ross St. Brown, especially what he did at the stretch of last season. And people – are always finding ways to rip him and roast him and all that. But the Detroit Lions spent very high draft capital on Jamison Williams. Now, Jamison Williams, he is recovering from a serious injury, so he might not be ready for the beginning of the season. But they also brought in DJ Chark, and they also have DJ Hawkinson, and they have DeAndre Swift. So, and a lot of what you know, Amara St. Brown did last year was with, you know, Swift banged up as well as TJ Hawkinson missed a few games, but I believe that he's talented, right? And Amara St. Brown showed you that when he gets the targets, he's talented and he could score. And he, he, he was that dude in, in stretches of the, you know, season last year, but with, and again, I hate to say all the mouths to be, but you don't draft a guy like Jameson Williams to be like, you know, number two. 
once he's healthy, he's going to be the number one option. He's extremely talented, extremely explosive. So if I had to choose which one I'm going to take, I obviously want Jameson Williams. So that's one of the things I'm worried about, right? And it's like Jared and Jared Goff's your quarterback, and it's not that great of a passing offense. So there's things to consider there. So as much as I believe in the talent of Amara St. Brown, I have to be objective and look at the situation. It's not a great situation, right? And then unless your the value falls, again, like I just feel to, the closer we get to the season, I feel like the more his value is going to fall because people are going to realize like, hey, like, where the target's going to come from. And again, maybe doesn't need a high volume of targets to produce, but it's definitely not looking great when you don't have a great passing offense to begin with in the Detroit Lions. The only thing you're hoping for is that they're going to be bad again and they're going to have to throw, but I'm not very confident in him this season. Yeah, I'm definitely starting to lose faith myself on him. I mean, I think he, he still can fit in what Jared Goff is able to do but the fact is that if Jamison Williams gets himself ready by the start of the season, or if he missed the first six weeks, whatever, you, you went up and traded up, what, uh, almost 20 spots to go get Jamison Williams? Well, they didn't give up a lot, but they went up and drafted Jamison Williams. They went and they, This is our wide receiver one now. This is our new wide receiver here. And if he's playing it all this season, I'm assuming they're going to try to give him a pretty healthy workload in this offense here, which is yeah, it's going to kill Amron same. Brown's, you know, when he was last year, that wide receiver one target share that he had. So it definitely doesn't look good. Again, he was a third round pick. He wasn't like a top two refer- round pick guy. I mean, he was a little bit of a later pick. I think he was round four, actually. I think he was when he got drafted lot, the year before. I think it was round four, yeah. Yeah, I think it was round four. So even that himself, he looked, he played well, but you saw this team continue to add weapons, and especially a really big one who, if he was, if Williams wasn't hurt, a lot of people could have had him as the top overall wide receiver in this class. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, definitely definitely a big knock on St. Brown's uh, value moving forward. All right. And I'm going to stick with a wide receiver here, too. And this is one who was traded uh, to another team, and it was A.J. Brown. And I love A.J. Brown. Love the talent. Uh, my friends were hyped as hell when we found out he was going to Philly. Uh, it was a pretty fun moment. But A.J. Brown goes to a situation where it was a run-first team with it adequate quarterback who was a decent, who had really good, pretty good accuracy in Ryan Tannehill. Now he goes to Philly, who again is in that mentality of a run first situation. I love, I like Jalen hurts. I don't know if he's a long-term starter and maybe they switch and get a better quarterback next year. I don't know yet. We never know. But if, if Jalen hurts can do enough, which I think honestly, I think he, if, if he can win early on in the Eagles schedule, I think the Eagles could be a playoff team pretty easily and which might knock them out of the top tier for an actual top tier quarterback. But this coming season alone right now, I mean, you get a guy who injury prone, who's missed many games over his three year career, someone who's got knee surgery multiple times over his career now. And he barely hit a thousand yards in, in two or three seasons being basically the only wide receiver there in three years. And now you have Devontae Smith, a former first round pick who's been, who was good last year and Dallas Goddard, it just doesn't bode well that A.J. Brown is is a wide receiver one this year at all. I, I would be honestly shocked. I love the talent. I hope he does well. I think I said on a, um article, Fantasy Pros, if he ends up not in the top 24, I wouldn't be all that shocked because just the way this offense is ran. It's a run-first team with a quarterback who will need, I think, make major strides this year as a passer with two other really good pass catchers as well. 
I know AJ Brown is definitely better than them, but they're really good. And he's never had teammates that world that good and young in their career. So for me, AJ Brown is someone who's, who's just hurting, I think, right now. This is probably the one that I disagree with you the most. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why, right? So, yes. And we know from last year that Jalen Hurts isn't known for being the greatest passer, right? But we have to factor in, we have to consider the fact that he should be improved. He's one, he should be more improved this upcoming season, right? We're expecting him to improve on it, put in the work, but you also don't spend the money that you spend on AJ Brown for him not to be the focal point of the offense, right? I know Dallas Goddard is in town. I know Devontae Smith is in town and they're both good and they're going to be involved in the offense, but you bring AJ Brown in because you want that dude. You want him to have the highest target share on the team. Again, you're not bringing him in, spending that capital if he's not the focal point, as well as AJ Brown doesn't even need that high of a target share because he's so explosive. Yes, injuries might be a little bit of a concern, but if he's on the field, again, he could have freaking five targets and he could take one of them to the house easy. Like he's just that type of wide receiver, right? That's why you bring him in because he's one of the most talented receivers in the league. So I see him being more of a maybe instead of a low end wide receiver one, high in our wide receiver two, that's probably more in his range, but you bring A.J. Brown in because you are expecting him to be a key, key, key contributor to the offense. So, yeah, whatever you feel about Jalen Hurts, you know that the coaching staff is going to be like, get A.J. Brown the ball. So <laughs> that's that's all I need. So I'm, I'm still excited for him, and I feel like people have their concerns because of Jalen Hurts not being a great passer. But I, I'm in on J.J. Brown, even though he's not a Titan anymore. All right, so you're, you're taking him as your wide receiver one still? And a redraft. It depends on where he goes. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to take him over like certain other guys. Like there's a, guys I like better than him, you know. Like I'm taking like, you know, Chases, Justin Jefferson's, Cooper Cup, like maybe even Waddle. So there's like guys I would take ahead of him, but you know, maybe I'll take him probably between like wide receiver eight, wide receiver twelve. In that range, I think I'd feel comfortable. But yeah. Okay, yeah, and I, I love the I love the difference of opinion. Obviously, I think people need to see both sides of, of the argument there. And and, I, and again, I agree with your I agree with your takes as well. They they did pay him a lot of money, so they're gonna have to use him. You don't you don't pay someone that much money and not give him as many targets as, as they could possibly fit in their offense. So uh, it'd be interesting to see. It'd definitely be interesting to see. So can't wait to see that. So, but Troy, on to your last one, my friend. Who is that? My last one is now we're going back to the Jets again. Hey. It's, it's Michael Carter. Oh. It's Michael Carter. The writing's on the wall for Michael Carter involvement, right? Like you draft Brees Hall, you know, number of the first running back off the board in the second round. That told everybody, and we just know how talented Brees Hall is, right? Like he's a better running back than Michael Carter. Michael Carter knows that Brees Hall's a better running back than him. So he's going to go in day one. And he's going to get the starting job. And last year, another thing to think about is like people really liked Michael Carter because he believed that he's such a good pass catcher. But last year, his best games in terms of getting targets were with Mike White. They weren't really with Zach Wilson. Like he didn't really have that many high-volume games in terms of targets with Zach Wilson. And now you have this talented running back who's going to most likely take the job from Michael Carter and he's going to get the work. He should get the goal line work. And he's also a very capable pass catcher. 
So it's like, yeah, you might use Michael Carter on third downs, but I just don't see a world unless Brees Hall gets injured, which hopefully doesn't happen, where Michael Carr is going to be a factor. So last year he was everybody's favorite sleeper and he had some big games, but it's like, and again, now you have all these other offensive weapons too with Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore. It's like, uh, where does Michael Carter fit into all this, right? He's just like, he's just a fancy backup. So that's, that's how I feel about him. I just think he's a huge loser. And again, he's going to be fighting for touches. So. Yeah, I, I honestly agree with you, honestly. It was definitely a major shame, especially for my fantasy teams as, as a solid R. I thought I had a solid RB3. I was like, oh, this is good. And Brees Hall going there definitely kills it. I mean, I don't know what role he's going to play that he's going to be a weekly contributor. He, he'll probably have games here and there where he'll, have, he'll maybe break one or you know catch a, a bunch of passes in a game, maybe early on in the season. But, you know, you don't draft Brees Hall in the top 45 players and not use this man uh, to his advantage because he has that three-down potential really easy in the NFL. And, unfortunately, Michael Carter is going to be a complimentary piece and or have his games. But, yeah, his value just took a major shot because I think a lot of people thought that Michael Carter could be in for a really big season and then you mix in Tevin Coleman at the time. It's Michael <laughs> Carter all day. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's not happening now. So poor, poor Michael Carter now. All right. And over to my last one of the night, guys, I went with Justin Fields and I like Justin Fields. I'm, I'm hoping he does well in Chicago, but man, they not really do anything. And that's not even talking about free agency Well, they couldn't because they were over the cap. I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, but you figured in the draft, you're like, all right, you know, you may be not competing, but you got to get this man some kind of weapon, especially when you let Allen Robinson just go like that. Cause they kind of had to. Um, and you left Darrell Mooney, which big fan of Darrell Mooney, love him. But after that, I mean, Brian Pringle, I mean, you draft Varys, Varys Jones, uh, in the third round who, you know, I don't know if he's a complete wide receiver. Personally, I wasn't really high on him. I, I think he ends up playing special teams pretty early on in his career. And then there's really no one else there unless, you know, like Daz Newsome, uh, Equimamia, St. Brown, I mean, none of these guys have really, you know, been reliable or wide receiver twos over their careers at this point now. So, again, you have early on picks in round two that you could have went out there and got, a, I think, a, a wide receiver that could help complement Darrell Mooney a little bit better who loves to stretch the field, but they didn't. They went defense, you know, and that's just the way things work. But I don't know what Fields is going to do outside of his rushing ability. He just doesn't have the pass catchers. And unless they're relying on just Cole Komet, Mooney, and – Montgomery as their main his main three weapons you need something else there and, and I'm, I'm concerned that they might maybe move on from next year if he doesn't do what they want him to do in year two and in a class that has a, a lot of great quarterbacks coming out next year uh, I'm concerned for Fields value moving forward right now uh, he's I almost put him on the list but it's yeah they didn't do anything they didn't do anything for Justin Fields I feel like he was helped the least and Look, I'd, and I feel like they took Velas Jones over like a bunch of other guys that were still on the board. I believe Sky Moore was on the board still. George Pickens was on the board. So you would think that those guys would be drafted before him. And it was it was just surprising, right? And we and they didn't even sign. Also, they didn't sign any of the free agents, right? Will Fuller's still out there. So we'll see if they add someone like him. That would obviously make things a little more interesting. I thought they would maybe sign a guy like Landry. They didn't do that. Or I think they would try to trade for one of the 
receivers, right? Maybe get Debo and, you know, we knew about his drama or being the A.J. Brown sweepstakes, but none of that ever happened. So Justin Fields, again, like he's still viable in terms of his rushing, but he's going to be somebody that's going in the very, very late rounds of like your normal one QB league or somebody you can even get off waivers because, again, you're hoping that his rushing saves his fantasy value, but Again, he didn't, and also he didn't look great last year. He didn't, you know, in the moments he did not look good. So you were hoping that he got like a wide receiver to help him, and they didn't do that. So yeah, right now, I mean, definitely. I mean, I mean, you look at the quarterback class of last year, basically outside of Trey Lance, because the 49ers really didn't need more weapons at the moment. You know, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, to some extent, I guess you could say all got players to kind of try to help him be better with the ball or upgrade a position, especially in that wide receiver core and fields has just not got that this year. So unfortunately I I'm not sure what to expect out of him. I love him. I love the talent coming out, but it doesn't look great right now for his, his value, at least this season. And hopefully he'll get another chance and they probably hopefully restock in 2023. But uh, we're going to call it there tonight, guys. Uh, that is our veterans players who helped and, Hurt by the NFL draft here. Uh, Troy, bro, you were a great guest to have on, as always, my friend. I uh, love talking to you about fantasy. Um, and if there's anything you wanted to shout out about your what you got going on right now, the floor is yours, my friend. Sure, thank you so much, man. I would just say that, you know, I'm wor- working with Yahoo as well as football guys. So in season, you should see Yahoo content. In the off season, I do a mailbag show with Dave Kluge and Victoria Geary on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. So make sure to check that out. You also see me doing some collaborative articles throughout the season for football guys. But yeah, and just make sure you follow me at T King Mode. My home base is Twitter, but you can find me on different social media platforms with the same handle. But yeah, Coach Steve, I appreciate you inviting me on. Absolutely, Troy. Definitely a pleasure having you on for sure. So, and as always, guys, please go check out our website at www.thefantasycoaches.com. Uh, Coach Jibs and Coach John will both be back next week. Uh, we're going to be doing a show on Wednesday next week, so check that out. I'll have more details on Twitter at uh, Coaches Fantasy if you want to know where and what time we're going to be doing that at. So, thank you all for listening. Tune in until next time, guys. And have a great one. The bag is not far-fetched. We got a couple of clock hands. I've been feeling super duper. How the heck they know the future? Come with me, don't be a loser. Grass is green like pooper scoopers. Clueless analysts don't do the half of this. In fact, I'm backing this by asking if y'all remember that tough act interacting. Shh, like boom, running like zoom. The highest and mightiest entered the room. High off the knowledge, I'm feeling the fumes. All players covered this nuts as legumes. Opponents are doomed, and these are the facts. I keep it 100 like I'm running track and listen up Jack I'ma head back back to the blowing up blowing up blowing it go